Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Showing up at the office is racist. I knew it. That's why I don't show up at the office. That's why I do everything from home, guys. Radio home, TV home, uh, eat, drink, smoke podcast. I do that in a cigar lounge, but I could do it from home. This is the place to be. Don't make me go back to the office. But I don't claim that it's racist. Apple employees, however, uh, they they know, you see, they've got a, they're much more in tune with their, with their situation. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Racist is what we say now when we don't like something. We call it racist. I'm so old that I remember that when you didn't like something, kids used to say, that's gay. And then you learned, you're, you're like, y- y- that doesn't make any sense. And the argument was, I remember this as a, was I a teenager? I don't know if you ever heard this. The argument was, if you're saying that, you're somehow making a connotation that someone or some, you would it'd be out someone, someone who is gay is therefore bad because the vernacular would be that's gay would mean that's bad. And I said to myself, okay, that makes sense. Because words have meaning, right? Words have meaning. And if we utilize the meaning of gay as an attraction to uh, someone of the same sex, and now you want to take something that you don't like and decide that you're going to use the term gay, you're trying to create a connotation, or even without even thinking about it, you're creating a connotation. And I said to myself, okay, I can live with that. I can handle that. That logically made sense. And going the opposite way of that is saying that everything is racist, so therefore nothing is. Something that I would argue the political right has been arguing against for years now. Stop calling everything racist. If everything is racist, nothing is racist. The word loses all meaning, and there's actual racist thing going on out there. There are actual racists out there, but that's enough about Ibram Kendi. Oh, wait, a black man can't be a racist. So, uh, first of all, of course he can. Secondly, I can go with bigot, right? Maybe that's more apropos. Because racist as a definition isn't about white-black. That's not the definition of racist. Oh, no, 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 no. By the way, if you listen carefully, you can actually hear how uncomfortable producer Ari is with this conversation. Dude. A person who believes a particular race is superior to others. That's the definition of racist. So based on definition, words have meaning, people. <laughs> based on definition, man, I just started screaming. Look at me. You you can be black and be a racist. You can be Hispanic and can be a racist. If you believe that you're racist, the people of La Raza, I always have said, racist. So, of course, Ibram Kendi is a racist. But what he really is is a bigot. So maybe that's a better uh, use of, of word there. Bigot, one who is strongly partial to one's own group, religion, race, or politics, and is tolerant of those who differ. Words have meaning. 
Dictionaries and maps. That's what we need more of in the world. It'll help people a lot. You call everything racist, then nothing is racist. Uh, producer Ari, I'm moving on, so you can you can unclench now. Thank you. Apple employees say being asked to show up to work is racist. So um, it was an open letter, about 200 employees from a group called Apple Together complained about the companies to have workers return to the office, this, of course, after COVID. And there's a lot of conversation right now all across the country about returning to the office. Massive levels of conversation. And a lot of people having the conversation are downtowns. Downtown has suffered greatly because of the remote workforces. All those office buildings and all of the pizzerias and all of the restaurants and all of the dry cleaners and all those other things, those ancillary businesses, those coffee shops, the place where you used to get the muffin twice a week. Maybe that's why you were so fat. All those places, they are the ones suffering because the people aren't downtown spending their money. And and look, there, there's a there's an issue with you know whether or not these people should uh, have been told to work from home to begin with. Nobody owes uh, the, the the local bakery a, a a job, right? No one owes them any level of success. But there's no doubt that downtowns want these businesses to return, so the downtowns look vibrant again, so they can continue growth patterns. Matters greatly. Matters greatly. But Apple together which is actually the, uh, on Twitter there, Apple laborers. H- hold on just a, just a moment. Just a, a, a moment. Let me, let me, I, gotta, I gotta help some people out here uh, re- really uh, quick. Apple laborers, listen to me very, very carefully. Unless you work at a sweatshop in China putting together the iPhone. You are not an Apple laborer. You're making six figures, the air conditioning is on, and you can walk downstairs to a cafeteria where you can get your choice of Fruit Loops or a steak at any time. Apple laborer. Are you one of the untold numbers of Chinese people who've committed suicide working, putting together iPads? I didn't think so. Maybe you gotta start by bringing it down a scotch and recognizing that you're not put upon. You can go get a job at Google if you damn well chose. The people being forced to put together your AirPods, they're put upon. Laborers. Already a bunch of schmucks. Well, they have put together this letter. Actually, I do have uh, the letter. It was it was from uh, CNN. I have the letter here, but let me give you the gist of it. They, uh, according to them, they think that coming to the office is racist. We're not asking for everyone to be forced to work from home. We're asking to decide for ourselves, together with our teams and direct manager, what kind of work arrangement works best for each one of us, be that an office, work from home, or a hybrid approach. But they go a little bit further. 
than to make that rational statement, which one could argue, hey, you might as well try. If you can make that rational statement, then you go ahead and make it. But what they're saying is, is that there's this massive disconnect going on. And the coming to the office will, quote, make Apple younger, whiter, more male-dominated, more neuronormative, more able-bodied. In short, it will lead to privileges deciding who can work for Apple who'd, and not who'd be the best fit. Why would it do such a thing? You don't think at Apple everything is designed for somebody who has the maximum amount of what I will describe for the sake of this conversation as issues? Physical issues? Why would that be a problem? So Tim Cook said he wants staffers to come to the office one day a week starting April 11th, two days a week after three weeks, and starting May 23rd, three days a week. Privileges like being born in the right place so you don't have to relocate or being young enough to start a new life in a new city or country or having a stay-at-home spouse who will move with you and privileges like being born into a gender that society doesn't expect the majority of care work from so it's easy to disappear into an office all day without doing your fair share of unpaid work in society or being rich enough to pay others to do your care work for you. Okay. This is the conversation about how mothers aren't paid enough and mothers should get paid because you think of all the work they do. I will tell you that there are some people in society where motherhood is thrust upon them. For example, because this is where it's going to go to, when I say people decide to be mothers, some fool over there at Apple is going to say, what about the, the person who's raped? That's going to come up. That minority conversation, meaning a minority of people in American society in terms of mothers, that conversation's going to come up. Now, I have an answer for them uh, about this, but I'm going to hold it to a side just for a moment. Let's leave to the side the level of, of, of the, the, the depths to which these people will sink to engage. Motherhood is an extremely important job, and it's more important than what happens at Apple. And decisions have to get made. And families make them all the time. Very often the decision is she stops working. You're absolutely positively right. If you don't think that that's fair, my advice is don't have the kid because you can't do it all. And anybody who taught you you can lied to you and treated you like a bitch. So stop believing the lie. You can't have it all. You can't do it all. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. Part of the problem is we like to tell people that, you know, uh, being a parent isn't important. What about the decision to stay home? What about the decision to raise children? What about the decision to be not just a mother, but an active mother or an active father or an active parent in your kid's life? How dare we act like this isn't important? But if you ask the people who are Apple laborers, even though they never once had to work a 19-hour day in their whole damn lives, 
Well, they'll tell you that having to make that decision is just an affront against women. No, it's not. For a vast number of women, it is a strong, powerful decision made by strong, powerful women who see a value in the family they're creating. And they want to be good at it. And so, by the way, for a tremendous number of men who want to be good at it. And if work is nothing more than a way to escape that family environment, oh, look at the luxury of being able to escape into the workplace, you would think more people would actually want to go to the office. What are they going to do? Escape from the workplace by staying at home? The absolute ignorance of this group astounds. I notice I don't even get into their privilege conversation because it is just sizzling hot garbage. The question before us is, how could anything like this be racist? Why would it be younger and whiter and more male-dominated? Why must that be the argument when the argument could have very simply been, hey, uh, we'd we'd still like the opportunity to work from home. We we think we work better this way. Can we just work that out with our managers? Because if I'm Tim Cook, you know what I would say? Well, maybe we could do something, but I'd still like to see people in the office. I think it's important to for people to be able to to touch each other, not in that way, uh, you know, and and see each other. There really is something special that comes from 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 that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we, we can work some things out. Maybe says you know what I've I, I, I've we've done enough of this. I want to see people together. That's what matters. That's how we build a better culture. That's how we build a better society. There's the door if you don't like it. And well, that's what your employer says. I work from home. My employer starts telling me you have to be in the studio. Well, it's going to be a real problem now, isn't there? And it's going to be a real problem. I can appreciate, though, wanting to make contact. Right? Producer Ari wants me to be in studio all the time. And what I've agreed to is uh, uh, he's, he's allowed a visitation. He just has to be on the outside of the glass, and I'll open up the window shades from on the second floor, and I'll wave at him. <laughs> the I problem wish, with that right? is that would be me telling him where I live, and that's not happening. No chance. There are places where I could see that that makes perfect sense. And there are places where I don't think it matters at all. So I don't think there's an, a, a bad argument about saying, hey, I'd like to continue to work from home. There's an argument by, uh, that, that doesn't exist. There is a level of hatred that does exist by saying me going into the workplace is your racism. Pretty ugly stuff. I'm Tony Katz. He got that boyish look that I like in a man. I am an architect, I'm drawing up the plans. It's like I'm 17, nobody understands. No one understands. He got my Just another recall from Ford. This one on Explorer SUVs. They are recalling 2020 through 2022 Explorers with a 2.3 liter engine, a 3 liter, a 3.3 liter uh, hybrid, and the 3 liter ST. And the Explorer Police hybrids, because the car can roll away unexpectedly while shifted into park. Amazing. 
That's look, I'm I'm no expert, but I'm here to tell you, not good. So this came out last week, U.S. safety regulators saying that a rear axle mounting bolt, uh, producer, Ari, you know all about those rear axle mounting bolts? Sure do. Uh, it can fracture and cause the drive shaft to disconnect. Duh, so everyone it, knows that. I, psh, psh, it was drive shaft 101, that's where I learned it. So if this happens, the SUV can roll away even if placed in park without the parking brake on. Do you use your parking brake, producer, Ari? Never. I use it all the time. All right. I use it all the time, right? We are on, we're not on a hill, right? The house is a little bit up from some of the other houses, um, but it's it's not it's not a hill by any stretch of, of the imagination. Uh, emergency brake on. All the time. All the time. And I'm the only person I know who uses the emergency brake. Even my wife is like, why? I'm like, well, you'll hear about a recall one day, and then you'll be like, that Tony Katz was a genius. Uh, Ford has 235 warranty claims due to the problem. There are no known crashes or injuries. So you'll soon start getting um, emails about this and then things in the mail, and then you can go get it fixed and, and, and cared for. It just seems lately I've done a lot of uh, the these recall stories. Things happen. I want to know what happens to all the cars that have been manufactured but have not been able uh, to be sold because of a lack of chips that have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And what happens when you finally get the chips and you try to sell those vehicles because they've been sitting for so long? What happens? What happens to all of those vehicles? That's my question. Right. Will there be things that look as everyone says? If a car just sits, it, it that's that's when problems uh, start. It's got to be, it's got to be moving. It's got to be moving on the regular. By the way, I I'm worried about that for sure, for sure. Elon Musk and Acacia Cortez. Oh, she has lost her Twitter game. Joe Manchin hated even more. And Rachel Levine wants to pretend uh, that uh, Rachel knows what affirming is. Um, Well, we'll see if pediatricians agree. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today. So Joe Manchin has endorsed a Republican, and of course the progressives have gone out of their minds. Loud noises! They hate Joe Manchin so much. This was for a primary in West Virginia. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, what's going on? A primary's in Indiana tomorrow. Oh, there's some good stuff going on all around the state. There are going to be some good races, some good uh, district races for Congress. I, I think the only statewide race, of course, is the, is the senator race. And I think that's going to be uh, pretty boring. 
I think that that Todd Young, a Republican, is way too disciplined and uh, way too incumbent for the Democrats to have any shot with. I just, I, I think that's the case. What Joe Manchin did is he appeared in an ad to defend uh, David McKinley, who's a Republican. And um, from accusations that he supported President Biden's Build Back Better agenda. I've always said if I can't go home and explain it, I can't vote for it. And that's why I oppose Build Back Better. So Manchin is now defending McKinley against a claim from a Republican opponent who accused McKinley of supporting uh, Build Back Better by voting for the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. David McKinley has always opposed reckless spending because it doesn't make sense for West Virginia. That's according to Joe Manchin. Remember, for for uh, many, it's just about winning at all costs. Now, this is not going to be seen as, you know, doing something that hurts the Democrats. This is going to be about, uh, hey, I'm defending a guy against a, a lie here and we shouldn't lie. And that could be seen as respectable. And the last thing that the Democratic Party wants is for Manchin to be seen as respectable because the progressives, they want no part of this. Progressives don't want to see somebody who disagrees as respectable or decent. Everything has to be couched in in this constant style of, of, of bigotry. It has to be couched in this idea of, of, of hateful. It, it has to be constant and consistent. Every single time. Now, this was over there at MSNBC, and one of the commentators is Molly Jong Fast, who I only ever had one run-in with on uh, Twitter. I thought she was just daft. And somebody who I don't even speak to anymore said, hey, you're, I, I like both of you. Can you please not get into a fight? I was like, I don't even I don't even remember what the subject was about. I just remember that, you know, ignorance is going to do ignorant uh, things. And so Mehdi Hassan, he's the host there. He's asking the question. And then Molly Jong Fast, who is a leftist leftist, uh, gets into response. Think of him. Is he just a very simple person? Cara Swisher came on this show a few days ago and she said to me, he's complex. Don't mock him. He's actually a smart guy. We shouldn't just dismiss him as a simpleton. But I, every day I get more evidence that he's a simpleton. Or is, are our right wingers just taking advantage of him? See, uh, it, what's happening is, is that Elon Musk is such a dope, according to Mehdi Hassan, uh, over there at MSNBC, that right-wingers are just taking advantage of him um, uh, and, and, and getting him to uh, do their bidding because, after all, he, he's, just, he's just stupid. The man who uh, reinvented space travel. That doesn't mean that a lot of highly intellectual people don't have uh, blind spots and doesn't mean that you're smart in all things. But what a take. What a take that Mehdi Hassan has decided that Elon Musk is a simpleton. Enter Molly Jong Faust. So I do think he is being courted very hard by this far right fringe. And you see it. You see Joe Rogan and those types are working very hard to sort of charm him. He does seem to be a person who likes it when people are nice to him, right? 
So he's quite upset with the left because he has all these labor problems. He has, uh, you know, a lot of workers complaining about racism and sexism, terrible uh, sexual harassment complaints and racism complaints in the factories. So and there's a you know, there's a I think there's a real move to try to unionize. That's all stuff he doesn't like. Um, I think he's a person who likes to be liked. And that's really what it is. And these guys are just. To be clear, most people want to be liked. I, I don't think that that's out of the, the, the realm, producer. Ari. You want to be liked, right? Sure. People in the main want to be liked. The question is, what are you willing to do to be liked? Would Molly Jong Fast ever once step out of the progressive comfort zone because she believed it, or does she simply do these things because she wants to be liked? The question, of course, must get put to the person who is making the statement. Do I say what I say because I believe it or because I think it will make me liked? The answer, of course, is I believe every word. I do what I do because I believe it, because I believe I can back it up as well. And this is why I have a fair amount of people who question if I'm a conservative at all, which I always find stunning. And then I've got another half of people who think that I'm some kind of right-wing extremist. I'm right-wing. I don't. Why would I ever shy away from that? Extremist? I think free speech should exist is not an extremist position. I think people that I hate should have the same rights that I do. Because me hating them is not a reason for their rights to be taken away. I don't think that's an extreme position. I think that's a rational position. Maybe it's extreme for people who can't believe that somebody would allow somebody they don't like to have the same rights that they do. It's extreme for a leftist who doesn't think I should be allowed on radio. Oh, you start asking around. You start asking around. There are plenty of leftists. And when I say leftists, I mean CEOs who don't think that I should be allowed on radio. Of course. Of course. Drives them nuts that we're successful, guys. They don't believe in the openness that I believe in. But just like I get those people, I get the other people who will who will state that I'm a squish or something. What do I know? If this is the way they want to think, this is the way they, they, they want to think, right? Then there are those people who are like, if you're not talking about exactly the thing I want you to talk about at the time I want you to talk about it, well, then you're terrible. Can't put up with the crazy. Not even, not even worth bothering with, with that level of, of crazy. But I, I, I bring it up that we're going to now make this claim that Elon Musk is somehow not smart enough and he just wants to be liked. People in the main just want to be liked. The question is, has Molly Jong Fast ever stepped out of a comfort zone? I, I don't know. Me, I can answer the question. Absolutely. Often. Because there's more to this life than just being liked. But I love how they just are trying to reduce Elon Musk. Maybe wait to see what he does. What I did see him do is take on Representative Ocasio-Cortez.
Now, she has lost her Twitter edge. She's terrible on Twitter these days. She's just uh, just sad and, and pathetic and not interesting and not funny. She's not funny. She's not interesting. And so Musk has been tweeting out some stuff about the Democratic Party. And he was responding to somebody on Twitter saying, I strongly supported Obama for president, but today's Democratic Party has been hijacked by extremists. Is there a question about whether or not today's Democratic Party has been hijacked by extremists? Then again, this is what they're going to say about Republicans. There's nothing wrong with that. He believes it. Now I ask him to back it up and let's see what he does. I could argue it. Then enter Representative Ocasio-Cortez, who now lacks originality and she lacks talent and she has shown herself to be so absolutely uh, a a phony. She's all about the working person. She wants to tax the rich while she's at the Met Gala that costs $30,000 a ticket, hanging around with billionaires. You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. Phony. So she tweets out, billionaires be like the extreme far left is taking over. First of all, be like. She's so street. Billionaires be like. Billionaires be like the extreme far left is taking over when the extreme far left in the U.S. is medicine shouldn't bankrupt you, wages should cover rent, and maybe it's bad that Wall Street companies profit off mass surveillance, manufactured housing crises, and caging people. Okay. By the way, you know that she's not engaged in a conversation of right versus left here. It's all billionaires. Billionaires are bad. If you want to know what kind of communist she is, uh, she's the standard kind, because there's only one kind, bad. And this is about class warfare. Divide people by class. Steal what you can, and then use government to take the rest. That's what Representative Ocasio-Cortez is engaged in. She continues, the number of billionaires in the U.S. couldn't even fill an apartment building, but the number of people they negatively impact is growing. All the U.S. billionaire votes combined couldn't even come in second for a New York City council election. That's why they stay pressed. What is their negative impact? If you want to argue that um, Mark Zuckerberg has a negative impact on my life, well, if he's putting $400 billion to getting Joe Biden elected, then yes. If he's putting $400 million to get Biden elected, then yes, he's having a negative impact. Otherwise, I can decide whether I'm on Facebook. And I can delete the thing. There's been a conversation of whether or not I should be with my videos doing advertising on Facebook, and I've looked into it. They've got so many rules and regulations now about political content. I'm like, I, I have no idea if I can do this stuff or not. They won't let me do anything with Eat, Drink, Smoke. Cigars and bourbon? <laughs> no, 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 not, not, not woke Zuckerberg. Somehow I can't market to adults a conversation about adult products. Somehow that's, that's wrong and problematic. I honestly cannot figure it out. How to? It used to be an easy thing to do. Those days are over. Those days are over. I can't figure it out, so okay. One less place I have to spend my money, I guess, until someone can explain it to me and explain why. But Representative Ocasio-Cortez, disgusted with billionaires, lashes out with 
tired of having to collectively stress about what explosion of hate crimes is happening because some billionaire with an ego problem unilaterally controls a massive communication platform and skews it because Tucker Carlson or Peter Thiel took him to dinner and made him feel special. Well, ain't that something. That's, she's stressing about the explosion of hate crimes. How about the explosion of crime all over New York that is 100% your fault because you won't talk about the black men and women involved in stealing from CVS or other department stores in these coordinated efforts, and you won't talk about all the black people punching all the Asian people in New York City. And I know this conversation makes producer Ari uncomfortable. Oh, well, it is happening. So she's tired of billionaires having communication platforms because Tucker Carlson or Peter Thiel took him to dinner and made him feel special. To which Elon Musk responds, stop hitting on me, I'm really shy. Now that is a bit of brilliance. Because it was... Ocasio-Cortez, who said, the people who clap back at me, they're just jealous that they can't date me. Well, at least she admits that part of her attraction and appeal is that she's rather attractive. If you don't think that's part of her attraction and appeal, I don't think you're seriously looking at at the situation. Then there's the people who just love the socialism. Oh, they adore it. She claimed she was talking about um, Zuckerberg. Maybe yes, maybe no. But your but your rant, your rant is 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 the story here, and you have lost your edge. That's all. It's no longer interesting. Another rant about billionaires while you hang out with them at the Met Gala. It falls so flat. You wish you were them. You don't hate them. You want to be them. You have this massive power center, and your answer is more. You look at followers, and you look at at, at money as your precious. That's who you are, Smeagol. It's obvious. I'm Tony Katz. Rachel Levine, Assistant Secretary of Health. Now, Rachel Levine is a man who goes by Rachel Levine. Live your life. Rachel Levine made a statement during an interview with NPR stating that there is no argument about gender-affirming care. There is no argument among medical professionals, pediatricians, pediatric endocrinologists, adolescent medicine physicians, adolescent psychiatrists, psychologists, etc., about the value and the importance of gender-affirming care. You mean if a child decides they're a boy or a girl when they're not a boy or a girl, we're supposed to just go along with it? We're supposed to say, okay, whatever, great? Is this what we're supposed to do? Is, is, Is this your argument? that we're supposed to just accept such a thing and then act upon it with medicine, with surgeries, and all adolescent medicine physicians and pediatric endocrinologists agree? 
What kind of nonsense is this? What kind of lie is this? There are lots of conversations about the long-term effects. So when we talk about the Bureau of Misinformation, right, the, the, the Disinformation Governance Board, this is disinformation from a federal government official who wants you to believe that children deciding their gender is just totally fine, and it's not. It's not lost on me that Rachel Levine is a man. Rachel can live Rachel's life any way Rachel sees fit, but you'll notice I'm not calling Rachel she. Rachel's entitled to live Rachel's life, not entitled to tell me how to speak. But lying, lying about these things, making these kinds of statements, and notice, nowhere does the parent involved in this conversation. That's some violent talk. Violent talk indeed that should be pushed back on. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.